Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. One of the difficulties of leadership and the dichotomy of leadership is you have to have enough confidence in yourself to think that you can do it better than someone else, but enough humility also to recognise that the that you can only deliver through others and therefore you yeah. have to be very good at motivating other people. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Roger Kilburn. Roger is the Senior VP and Head of Candidate Development at Quotient Sciences and former CEO of Arkinova. After Quotient Sciences acquired Arkinova, Roger remained within the business with a great passion to develop high-performing teams. Roger has over 25 years of experience working in the chemical and pharmaceutical industries in roles covering global business leadership, consultancy, marketing, sales, projects and engineering. Roger joins us today to share his insight as a leader and human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Roger. It's great to have you with us. Very glad to be here. Thank you. I'm looking forward to hearing a bit more about your story and how you've developed your, your career in leadership. So can we start by you telling us a little bit about the organisation that you work with at the moment, please? Yes, I, I work for an organisation called Quotient Sciences. And um, although this, it sounds a little bit um, hairy, what we do is we do drug development. Uh, we basically take drugs from that come out of discovery um, and get them through into clinical trials, into, into, into human clinical trials. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's a very, very regulated field. Lots of uncertainty in terms of what we're doing. And, mm-hmm. and I suppose the first, the first thing to understand about drug development, it's really, it's, it's really about drug failure. Uh, to just give a, a highlight of some of the numbers, um, typically um, the number of, of possible molecules that would get screened um, to look at whether they have therapeutic effect, whether they're going to be good in the body, whether they're going to do something positive to the body. Mm-hmm. Is typically you, you look at 30,000 molecules that you screen, of which 100 of those molecules will come out of uh, what's called out of discovery. Um, they will be selected as candidates to take forward. You then do preclinical work on the drug, and about 10 of, about, only about 10 of those 100 will then go through to human trials and out of those 10 that go into a human trial, only one will be a successful drug. Wow. So you have a 30,000 to one ratio yeah. of, uh-huh. of things that you're looking at, of potential molecules you're looking at to get every single drug that comes to the market. As I said earlier, it's a very, very heavily regulated field. It's driven by um, the need to make sure that these drugs are safe, but also making sure they do have proper therapeutic effect and they actually are beneficial. We don't, no one wants to be putting strange molecules into your body for, for no reason. No, um, absolutely not. So um, the bit that we do, um, and, the, and the bit that the, I do, that my part of Quotient Sciences does particularly, is that we take those molecules from candidate selection into what we call first in human or the phase one in clinical trial. Uh, I think people are a lot more familiar with drug development now than they might have been post-COVID or pre-COVID mm-hmm. because, um, because obviously the phenomenal effort that was made on the vaccines to get the vaccines approved. And mm-hmm. it's actually set a real challenge for the industry that typically from, from a drug coming out of selection process to commercialization is about 10 years. And that whole process happened in 10 months. So every year was a month. Um, which is incredible and everything was aligned to do that properly but it was an incredible effort on behalf of many many people to make those vaccines available. 
Yeah. And I would imagine that that's like you say, it's, it's set a precedent, I, I suppose, for how quickly things could be turned around. And start wondering why it takes 10 years. Yeah. Yes, yeah, <laughs> potentially, potentially. And so what kind of challenge beyond that, beyond managing those expectations that have been uh, aligned now? What what kind of challenges are leaders in, in that kind of organisation up against at the moment? I think I, th I think what well, the challenges are multiple. You've, you've obviously got all the challenges of running an organisation. Um, mm -hmm. My part of the business is about 180 people in total. We have about 20, uh, 1,200 people around the world. Mm -hmm. um, the just managing a large organisation is challenging in its own right. Mm -hmm. um, add to that a huge amount of technical uncertainty in what you're doing. Most of what we do, and particularly earlier in the development phases. It's never been done before. You're, you're bringing new science to the world, new molecules to the world that have never been made before. And th there's a massive amount of uncertainty in terms of how long it's going to take to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and how you, when you face those challenges, how do you work them? We are, we are what's called a, um, a, a contract research organization. So what we do is we develop other people's drugs. They pay us to do that. They obviously want to get the results as quickly as possible, um, but we need to go. You need to go through a formal process and a proper process to do that, and do a proper analysis of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, the um, and and therefore we're one we're one step removed from the drug developers uh, because what we do we do it under contract. Mm -hmm. um, so what we do is a lot of projects, and typically in in in, in my area we have three hundred drug development projects going on at any one time. Okay. Um, the, that's a lot of moving parts in, mm. it, within that and add to that technical uncertainty in all of them. And I would say that's one of the main leadership challenges that we, we have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And your journey into leadership then, was that was it quite an organic process or was it by design? Because I see a degree in chemical engineering and then process engineering and then right up to the chief exec seat. Was that, was that a conscious process? Were you always sort of headed in that direction? It's not very, it's not very normal. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think any career path into into the senior leadership role is that normal. Um, okay. The um, and and it's also very much um, serendipitous. Um, I don't. I actually don't believe that people. I do believe the cream rises to the top. I be. I believe the good people rise to prominent positions in in organisations. And I think one of the differences between those that rise and those that don't are those that take the opportunities as and when they get presented. Okay. So I do believe that most people in a career will be given a certain number of opportunities. Mm -hmm. And then whether they take those opportunities, whether they decide to, I don't know, move location, move into a new field, try something new, um, do something different, whether, whether or, or, or they want to stay in, in what they're comfortable with and what they know. I think that's what largely differentiates people because the world, the world is full of a lot of very, very smart people. I come across smart people all the time, mm -hmm. people that are much better qualified than me, people that are much um, know a lot more about the science of what we do than I do. Um, and the, cha the challenge then becomes is being comfortable with where you want to go. I work with a lot of scientists. I work with a lot of um, scientists that are um, very dedicated to what they do and what they want is they want a career in science. They don't want a career in business leadership. They don't want a career doing something else. They just want to develop science. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's a very noble thing to do and a very worthwhile thing to do. Yeah. The, I love working with smart people because they're, they're continually interesting. Yes. And you continually get a challenge. You're continually being challenged by them. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of my own development, I mean, I started as a chemical engineer. I do think 
chemical engineering is a very good route into business um, okay. because what it does is you're forced from a very uh, from your training is to one be very numerical, mm -hmm. dimensionalize everything, and break difficult projects up into small unit operations in, in, into the smaller sense. chunks of into the smaller chunks of what you do. Mm -hmm. and, and I think all that is very uh, useful in, in a world in business. Yeah, I, I'd be agree. Be driven by data, not by hearsay. Um, and, and when you're faced with insurmountable problems or what appear to be insurmountable problems, how do you break them up into their various elements? Decide what's the most important, what you have to get right, what you don't have to get right, yeah. and, and, and focus on the important things. Yeah, that's a great. I completely agree, but I wouldn't have put that together from as an outsider's point of view. So my background is not scientific, but when you put it like that, it makes perfect sense that that transition would be quite a natural process. And so, were you? When did it happen that you sort of were you identified as a potential leader, or did you think, yes, that's what I want to do one day? How how did it happen? Um, I will being in being in engineering. I, I actually was getting quite fed up of working on a lot of projects, things that never got built. You end up doing a lot of work that never that never leads anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, the I, I started my career started with a with with what was at the time known as the um, as a bellwether of British industry, a company that doesn't exist anymore, which is uh, ICI, which is a mm -hmm. huge chemical manufacturer. Yeah. Um, the um, they were a great trainer, and we went through fantastic management training courses with them, um, and you learned how to do things properly. Uh, in that organization, which I found invaluable um, throughout my career. Um, I think the I was lucky that I I, I, I I was selected to go into a commercial role. I went through an event that, that, that meant I, I could get out of engineering and get into commercial roles. So you get a broader business experience by mm -hmm. doing that. And from then it just it just took off. But it really came from a desire to know how decisions got made about whether work got done or didn't get done. So you, sure, most sure. of an engineer's work is project work, <laughs> designing, building um, new equipment, new processes. Yeah. Um, quite a lot of them don't get built. And I, I, was, I just wanted to know what was the process by which those decisions were made, whether it got <laughs> built or not. And that got me much more into the business side and the finance side. Yeah. And, it sort of, and then it sort of went from there um, and wanted to do more. Mm -hmm. And I've always sort of... I, I, one of the difficulties of leadership, the dichotomy of leadership, is you have to have enough confidence in yourself to think that you can do it better than someone else, but enough humility also to recognise that the that you can only deliver through others and therefore you yeah. have to be very good at motivating other people. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. And, and so it was born out of curiosity, almost, your leadership career. Yeah, absolutely, yes. <laughs> yeah. I set out thinking. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I suppose I was also a, a, a child of Thatcherite Britain, Right. <laughs> where, where, where there was a certain attitude, I think, went with that that you that you could the world was your limit, and you could be if you worked hard and whatever, you could be successful at doing anything. Yeah. Um, that might have, that might have uh, done something, but no, I, I don't want to say I fell into it because I didn't. Mm -hmm. um, but it was just a steady growing of being given more opportunities, doing pretty well at those opportunities, and then being yeah. given further opportunities. Yeah. And I've kind of been now been doing senior leadership roles for about the last 20 years mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and you mentioned confidence and humility are there characteristics that you think define great leaders or is it is it case by case industry by industry i think 
I, I really don't believe great leaders are born. I don't think it's innate. I think it's a learned process. Um, I, I was very lucky early on in my career, about 25 years ago, I went on a leadership course where I, I learned lessons that I have have stuck with me and have, have, have resounded with me ever since. And one of, one of the key lessons was that leadership is a journey mm-hmm. and you commit to make that journey and it's a journey without end. Um, so you can always be better. You will yeah. always learn. You can always. So, I mean, and, and the fundamental sort of teaching is, is every day is a school day. There's always something to learn. Yeah. Um, there's always something you could do better. And I suppose the other key thing was if something isn't going the way you want it to go and, and things aren't happening the way you want them to, the only way you can change that is by taking ownership of that yourself. Yeah. So what did I, how should I, if I want a different outcome from that result, how should I behave differently? Mm-hmm. And, and as soon as you start blaming other people for why you're not getting what you want, then you're absolving the responsibility to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think leaders have key traits um, of ownership, of continually learning, of very good control of their of their emotions and, and how they respond to people, mm-hmm. um, and and a whole bunch of a whole bunch of other things I could talk about. But I think the I think the essence is it's a learned process and it's something that you practice and get better at as time goes on. Absolutely. We hope you get better at it anyway. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's the plan. And and so was there an experience or a piece of advice early in your career that sort of shaped that approach to leadership or someone that's influenced you maybe? I, I, I think if anything, every day is a school day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, every, every day is an opportunity to learn. And as soon as you think you've learned it all or you know it all, um, then, then you're on the slippery downward slope, I think. Yeah, it's um, you, you've really got. I mean, it really is every every day continually is a day of learning and a day a day of what did I get out of today? I mean, I, I don't reflect at the end of the day and say what did I do better today than I did yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe that what that learning and continually learning, making I've making left handed things right handed, so making things that are difficult that are difficult to do and awkward to do. I mean, I, I used to find presenting really difficult. I was very nervous getting up and presenting and I wasn't a great presenter. Mm. I suspect I'm still not a great presenter, but, I, but I'm, I'm a much more confident presenter than I used yeah. to um, <laughs> because I've practised it. And, and by doing, and, and again, that was explained to me as making left-handed things right-handed. Yeah, yeah, it's a good analogy. It's a good analogy. And, and advice that you'd offer to someone looking to follow in your footsteps then? So some, someone either right at the very start of their career with their sights set on the CEO chair or someone that's just about to take a step up into a leadership position, what advice would you offer them? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, I think you'd offer, I think I'd offer different advices to, uh, advice to both. I think if you're young okay. and starting out in your career, mm-hmm. I'd say... The world is your oyster, but but do things that make you happy. Mm-hmm. Do things you enjoy. Um, a career is a very long time, and if you're not enjoying what you're doing, that's a long time not to enjoy it. And and life is there to be enjoyed in all its aspects. Um, and and a career, if you're going to commit to doing a CEO type role, it is a very large part of your life. Yes, uh, you can't get away from that, and therefore you better really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think for someone that's entering into that, they've already made those decisions. 
And, and, and I think the thing I'd say is about every day is a school day. Don't think you ever know it all because you mm-hmm. never do. Yeah, yeah. I often say the day I see you and say I know it all and I know exactly what I'm doing and what's going to happen is the day I do something else. <laughs> exactly. So, keeps it interesting, doesn't it? And, and with regards to leaders, past or present, then this is sometimes a question that stumps people because it's it's a challenging question. So forgive me, but mm. is there a leader, past or present, famous or otherwise, that you particularly admire? And if so, what is it about them? There are always people you look at things and you think, um, if I was in that situation, how would I respond? I mean, I think I think there are massively inspirational people in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I went I went through a period where I was reading quite a lot of. Um, of autobiographies um, of, of, of leaders, um, sort of great sports managers, um, um, great political leaders, etc. And I think there's something to learn from 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 each of, from from each of them. But I also I, I I kind of err on the side of giving people a break because leadership is a really really difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. So even if you even if you don't like, I mean, one of the, one of the ones I pick out, and this is no in no way is this someone I particularly admire for a lot of reasons. Um, but I think if you if you look at what Trump did and what Trump achieved, I find that quite interesting. That you can see someone whose politics you don't necessarily agree with, whose style you definitely don't agree with. <laughs> mm-hmm. But how do they get to that position of such power? I mean, to be president of the United States is a position is the one of the most powerful yeah. positions in the world. And how does someone of that nature get to that point? I'm just quite I'm quite interested in in why in how that happens and why that happens. Mm-hmm. And I just think he tapped into a sentiment that no one else saw in a country. I mean, he did get, he he got legally and properly elected to do that role, and he was just looking a different way from everyone else. Mm. Um, and saw an opportunity and went for it. And, and against all the odds, he, he became president of the United States. Now, whether yeah. whether he did a good job of that or a bad job of that, I think is is the historians will tell us. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think to to identify to identify a, a a gap in a marketplace or a gap an unmet need, mm. and to really go for that, I think that is quite impressive. It's so an interesting case. In, to I in no way, and I'm particularly taking a quite a polarizing character there uh-huh. uh, because okay. I do think that it, whatever you think of, of people, um, if they get to senior leadership positions, there is something about them that is, that is, that is, they've done something impressive together. Okay. And that's either they've seen a different, they've seen something differently. Um, they've done something differently. Um, and I, th- I think it, so yeah, that, that's how I'd answer that. And I have no. I purposely haven't mentioned anyone specifically, other than one individual. <laughs> no, it's very controversial. <laughs> okay, okay. And, and so you mentioned autobiographies previously as well. So you, a period in your life where you were reading a lot of autobiographies. I'm always really interested to understand what leaders are reading. So whether that's autobiographies, whether or it could be podcasts that they're listening to or audio books. But are there any books that have particularly shaped your your leadership style or influenced you in the past that you would recommend somebody read or listen to for the minute? I think, I, th- I think the best, or- the best autobiography I ever read was the long walk to freedom by Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and what blew me away by that was not just what he achieved when he got out of prison is how did he live those 20 plus years in prison? Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and where all hope and, 
any idea of a future must have been taken away from him. And how do you come out of that? How do you come out of that 20 years and still be, still have the humility to forgive? Mm-hmm. I think that's really quite something quite, quite remarkable that was, I thought was very well um, described in that, in that autobiography. Yeah, yeah. That is a great read. I've got a well-thumbed copy. It, it, it was one of, the, one of the autobiographies, I think, that made one of the biggest impressions on me. Mm. And it's not easy going either, is it? You know, it's it's not a sort of a, you can't read it in one sitting. It's a good, no, exactly. It's no, a good, no, exactly. Settle yourself down for a few days, but it's, it's yeah. definitely well worth the read. I concur on that one, absolutely. And and so, what are you excited about over the next twelve months? Then, what's going to be happening at Quotient that you can tell us about? <laughs> um, well, the, the, I, drug development is a hot area to be in. There's a lot of drugs coming through. Um, we've got massive growth opportunities. Uh, we're investing in assets. We're investing in people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the challenges—it's something I haven't mentioned yet—but I think one of the challenges we've got that, 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 that everyone is facing at the moment is 2021 was definitely the year of the Great Resignation, mm-hmm. um, and I still think we haven't got over that hangover yet. Um, no. I mean, huge numbers of people took sort of life-changing decisions as a result of COVID. Yeah, um, that has quite has had quite a big impact on employers. And we've certainly not been immune to that. And how, how we navigate our way through that, I think, is um, is challenging. Yeah. Um, the um, but yeah, we, we're on a great growth trajectory, and it's really how do we deliver that growth as well as well as, as well as we possibly can. Fantastic, fantastic, Billy. Well, I will look forward to following your progress. But thank you, thank you for sharing your time, Roger. Thank you for sharing your story and your insights. It's been really interesting learning a bit more about your leadership career. You're very welcome, and thank you for giving me the opportunity.